and welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Kinsey, and with me tonight is Josh Cacho. Josh, how you doing a few days after the game? Um, you know what? It's one of those games where, you know, there was a there were some good, there were some bad, but you're 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 happy taking a you know, taking a point in the road, especially at a at a Seattle, right, who seems to be have seems to have turned it around after some early season struggles while they were um you know, battling their way through CCL. So um, anytime you're able to do that, you know, the LSC this year has been a much better road team that they've been over the past, you know, since the, since the team's inception. So um, you have to be, you have to be happy with, with the result to a certain degree. Right. Like it, I feel like it's, if this is at home, you're more frustrated than taking a point of the road. If, you yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, Seattle is, uh, I think the 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 best team in MLS, uh, obviously not in the standings. That's LAFC, and I think it's well earned by LAFC. I think they performed well throughout the season, uh, consistently. Um, whereas Seattle has the excuse of playing in CCL and whatever else, right? Um, so, and Seattle always starts slow, um, but you can tell that they have a lot of firepower. They obviously won CCL. Um, and I thought LAFC did handle them uh, perfectly well this this weekend. Um, it's a little bit odd that we're recording a few days late. I was traveling. I think Josh was traveling. Uh, I got a new computer for Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to me. And then I, you know, went to record and realized that I didn't have the right adapters for all the <laughs> old equipment that I had. So we're we're a bit delayed. I apologize for that. Um, but we're gonna go through this game. I I I do I do think it's important to point out. Um, that LAFC are top of the table in both the East and the West. Um, and it's not one of those things where the standings don't reflect the reality on the, on the pitch. I think, I think LAFC has looked really competent. I think they've struggled at times and I think they've still shown that they're capable to those uh, LAFC type meltdowns where they give up a goal late or, or a fluky goal or they, you know, somebody shuts off in the last 10 minutes and we give up a goal, an equalizer or whatever it is, or against the galaxy, we give up an early goal. And then we're trying to claw. I think that's typically what it is right now is uh, that we're, we're trying to claw our way back. Cause we concede first to happen again in this match. Um, but overall they've, they've looked good and they've looked the, they've looked the part. So um, any other caveats you want to throw out there, Josh, before we, yeah, really- I mean, I mean, I think the big thing was, you know, as as we kind of look at, you know, this performance, I think we have to kind of look back at the the game previous, right? And the, the games previous to this break um, and how things have changed, right? Like what, what good did the break do? I, I think it was a little bit interesting to see, you know, Carlos Vela not quite fully fit, at least that's what yeah. they're saying, um, coming back. that That's still a concern and the fact that he still hasn't quite – um, you know, he still hasn't quite signed his um his extension is still a bit questionable, right? Given that we're counting counting down the it's days to the end of the month, days, there. dude, nine days. Yeah. and again, it's it's one of those things where it's like even for him for himself, right? You're like, it's kind of a weird situation in the sense that you have to wonder, um, what happened? You know, what if you were to suffer a a big time injury? Yeah. On Saturday, mm-hmm. right? Knock on wood, right? But you know, it, it's, it is a strange situation where you would think that you know this is a time coming towards the end of the career. He he's been injury plagued. They're willing to offer him seems what like a, a fairly you know decent extension, all things considered, given his injury history over the last year. Yet at the same time, he's reluctant to sign it um, and is willing to play out these games heading into the, you know, heading into it. And, you know, again, it just, it just feels awkward. And I, I I almost feel like we're not getting, I don't know if we haven't seen him play at his best or he's not giving it to us um, with, with kind of this, this thing looming over, right? Because say it doesn't get done, right? Then he's a, he's free to leave to go back to Europe and these different things that are, that are available. And again, I think it's a question that bears, you know, that we need to, we do need to ask and, um, 
and see about what that means for the team, you know, moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I ultimately, I do think the contract gets done. Uh, I think it. They're probably I mean, given his post game comments about you know I could go somewhere else. I do like playing here, but like, where's he gonna go? I mean, is he gonna is he gonna go to like a bottom of the table La Liga team? Is he gonna go to Liga Mekis? Is he like where? I just don't foresee him going to any of those spots. Not that he can't do it anymore, but uh, he's in a comfortable spot. I don't think LAFC want to get rid of him because when he's available, he's still really good. I, I don't think he's lost much of the shine from 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 years past. I think he's perfectly capable, and, and, and maybe he's looking for a longer contract. Maybe he's staring down the barrel of... 35 when this contract is up again the the rumor is that it's 18 months so maybe he's thinking you know what am i going to sign at 35 which is kind of crazy when talking about carlos vela because we all know that he's not all that like we've talked about it before he's not that in love with the game so how long does he want to play anyway um so i don't know it's it's an interesting one yeah and and i think it's weird because i feel like it does loom over the future of the season, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and fortunately, we've, the team has put themselves in a great situation where, you know, it could go either direction. You know, there is, I feel like it, this team is better prepared to sustain his comeback tour as well as his farewell in, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a good way, right? Like, if you had told me that this was going to happen last year or whatever, and then you're going to have this kind of hanging over your head, I don't know if this team reacts in a positive way versus now you you have to feel that because the floor has been raised so high, right? What seemed like even the darkest moments of this particular season are not, you know, are not very dark. Yeah, right? not at all. I mean, they're again, they're they're in first place. <laughs> yeah. And the game and you know, and the games that they, you know, the points that they dropped, you know, are 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 th- you know, those are those, I feel like those are the types of things that you expect to happen over the course of a long season. Yeah, you're right. Like have, you're gonna have weird games. Yeah, and you're gonna drop. No, you know, there's there's a reason why the invincibles are the invincibles, mm-hmm. right? Because it just doesn't happen very often. Right. You know, and like even like Manchester City will drop a random game to Burnley on a you know on a, on a Sunday because mm-hmm. it just just happens, and so that's why like when I look at the totality of the season, yeah, there's things that we would like to see a little bit more of, but they're finding ways to win games ugly. And I think if you, if you learn how to win games ugly, that's a lot harder than, than blowing teams out every week. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, especially because again, if, you know, it's not that saying it's like why the Phoenix Suns could never win it in the biggest moment when they had Steve Nash and all this firepower, you know, it's because come playoff time, you know the the tackle. You know the tackle. You know the the physicality just in, you know shoots through the roof, and the refs are generally going to not want to insert themselves in the game in the same way that they might during the regular season. Yeah. Right? And I think you could you'll probably see that, but this team feels more equipped, especially now with the addition of you know the Dark Lord himself, um, Chiellini, um, yeah, we'll to see. to the picture. We'll see what he does. I mean, it'll be. I mean, the biggest thing with him has been availability in the last couple of years at Juve, right? So it'll be interesting to see how available he is for LAFC. Uh, if they try and protect him on, you know, road trips, how often they're going to cycle him in and out. Uh, but I certainly think that, like, come playoff time, he's going to be a guy that you hopefully have dialed into the system and just ready to pummel dudes uh, throughout the playoffs. Uh, I think I think that'll be a good foundational piece to to them playing in the playoffs Um, absolutely one other thing i want to talk about and i tweeted it out before the game and got a little bit of hate for it i don't really care you can tweet all the hate you want at me um i tweeted out that there were zero dps starting and that there's work for the front office to do um brian rodriguez off getting his green card now uh i think this is good i think it's a good thing he can you can have one of your DPs not take up an international slot and you can go get somebody else. 
presumably, I mean, maybe this is the Chiellini thing. Maybe this is preparing for an international signing over, over the next transfer window. Um, me as a former Marine officer, and I realized that these two don't have much to do with each other, but like operationally, I would have lost my mind <laughs> if we were like ready to go deploy somewhere. And all of a sudden one of my Marines is like, Oh, we have this, you know, we, if so talking about like one of my staff, a non-commissioned officer saying, Oh, sir, we have, you know, Lance corporal so-and-so who has to go get this thing done at medical. He's got to have his teeth fixed or whatever it is. Um, that kind of stuff can't happen. Uh, and I would, especially when you had a month, a month break to do it. Yes. Right. Like why are you, you know, again, maybe, you know, I don't know what the current flight situation is, but you know, like you're a multimillion dollar team, right? You valued in the bill, valued in the mid hundred millions, right? Yeah, I I believe we can get into MLS about uh, valuations, and I, I think we probably should since we have some time, some extra time at the end of the episode. But I would love to, I would love to rant about that. But yeah, proceed. but you know, like the team is worth enough that you can, like, I'm sure you can figure out a way to get him there two weeks before so that he doesn't, he's not back, you know, the Friday before the game, not having practice right. and then misses the right. game. Like that just seems wholly unacceptable. Um, unless there's some, un, you know, there are some kind of extenuating circumstances that we're not privy to, which yeah. very well may, may be the case. But yeah, I mean, it 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 doesn't look good for a guy that's had a history of not showing up, right? <laughs> At least like we because get any more baby goats. This is true, but I mean, but like, and I'm, you know, like there's like that, right? But then I mean, like, look at the. You know, like obviously his history with LAFC notwithstanding, look at what happened when he got called into to the Uruguay squad when he missed the, mm-hmm. I believe he missed the team bus, you know, or something along that line, and then you know, then he basically you know fell out of favor with, fell out of favor for a while, and then that's basically when that whole you know he gets sent off to Almeria, and you know, and then it hits the fan, yeah, right. So, <clears throat> you know, it's just it's just not a good look. Um, obviously I think given the, given how, what we've heard and how he's presented himself on the field and the, the, the way he's been carrying himself, we're going to give him a lot more, um, you know, a lot more room on this one. And I think definitely people weren't nearly as, you know, as heated as I think they would have been had this happen, you know, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right, had this happened a year and a half ago, you, I mean, it would have been LAFC Twitter would melting down, right? <laughs> yeah. The same way, like in the, yeah. you know, the same way they did over uh, the picture of him with the goat, yeah, right, um, or on the horse or whatever the heck it was, goat and the horse. I think he was on a horse holding a baby goat. Yeah, if I remember. Correctly. So like, you know, so <laughs> this this that level of meltdown would have been, you know, you know, probably would have been warranted had he has he not worked himself back into the good graces. Of the fan base, you yeah, know, and I think yeah. he's earned himself a little bit of that. But again, like you're saying, operationally, from a team standpoint, I feel like those are just things that you can't, you can't let happen. Yeah. So my my first, like, again, I have to put on like my Marine Commander hat, right? Because that's that's what I have, right? So if I am a battalion commander, and this happens to one of my Marines, I'm looking at his platoon commander, his company commander, and saying. How did this not? How do we not take care of this before? So I'm not even making the Marine answer. I'm making his platoon commander or his company commander answer for this. So whoever is in charge of this process, we're just coming off a two and a half week break, right? Now, may and maybe the explanation is perfectly fine. Maybe the explanation is, oh well, sir, uh, the consulate didn't have any appointments. We couldn't. We tried to rush him in. His attorney wasn't available for whatever reason. I I don't know. You know, he he broke his toe in training and he had to go get cleared by medical first. There's always there's always a bunch of extenuating circumstances that can explain it away. But the question needs to be asked. Uh, And I haven't seen anything, but I would love to ask that question to somebody. You know, what happened? Where was the breakdown? Uh, And it's not so much to burn people up. It's just like, guys, what are we how are we not maximizing the time on the schedule? Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's only half of it, right? The other half is Carlos Vela is not playing on on turf, which is fine. Uh, I've had back and forth with people on Twitter 
mostly Atlanta United fans <laughs> about how safe turf actually is. Um, they are, they never can cite any real research on, on this topic, but um, I'm, I'm totally fine with them saying, you know, he's coming back from injury. We're taking it easy. Again, my zero DPs comment was mostly like, Hey, we have a DP that's been injured the past year. You know, we did, we ended the season without him and it's been up and down already this season. And we don't even know his contract situation. Uh, and those are our two DPs. So what are we doing guys? Like, are we signing a third one? Is one of these guys on the move and we're signing two? Are we can, are we going to continue to roll the dice with two guys? I don't know. That was, you know, that's, that's the idea. So I do think there is work to be done by the front office, but that's a lot of caveats before we get into the game. Do you have anything else on that? No, I mean, I'm, I, I'm uh, at this point, I feel like you'd be hard pressed to find anyone that argued that this roster is complete, right? right? Like right. there's definitely holes. There's definitely things there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, although I feel like the the pushback is generally from a, a place of, of this weird blind, blind faith that gets, you know, that, that kind of gets thrown out. I don't know. Like I said, I, I feel like, to a certain, you know, there's always going to be a segment of the fan base that's going to defend the team. Yeah, at, and that's good. You know, at all costs, that's which good. is fine. You know, and you know, but at the same, you know, on that same, you know, on that same topic, you know, I think we're we're always going to be skeptical again. And I, yeah. I think there's a there's a difference between being skeptical and being wholly negative, right? And I think yeah, in that yeah. sense, yeah. that's where you're coming from. And it's more, hey, like. You know, let's take a critical look at this and see. You know, what what are the issues that are? You know, what are these issues that right. could potentially plague the team in the long run, as opposed to, you know, like doom and gloom. You know, this is the worst team of all time. Skies falling. Fire, yeah. fire everyone. Yeah. You know that that type of mentality. You know, so I think, again, I think we're we're in a much different place. Again, and I think the team has definitely earned earned that with their play over the course of the season. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's get into the game. Uh, overall, like we talked about earlier, I thought it was a very positive performance. Um, the first thing that I noticed right off the bat is that the midfield played very cohesively and more cohesively than I would have ever expected from a midfield that included both Cifuentes and and Blessing. You and I have, have lamented so many times on the show the, the idea that they just do not combine with anybody. It's all get on the ball, drive, and dump it to somebody. Um, and in this one, I, I felt like the rotations in the midfield, creating a third man and and freeing up other runners as a result of that was so much better. Um, and it was a lot for the Seattle midfield to handle. And that's a Seattle midfield that uh, is really competent. It's not like it's not like they're a slouch squad. I mean, of course they don't have, uh, uh, Joao, uh, what's his last name? Um, Joao Paulo, Joao Paulo. They don't have him, right. He's injured. Um, probably because of turf, uh, <laughs> but he's, he's out. Right. But you still have Albert Rusnak, who is a former DP himself. Uh, you have Obed Vargas, who looks like the next big thing in Emma in Emma as MLS midfielders go. Um, so, I mean, they were, they were good. And, that was one of the first things I noticed is this team can progress the ball and find the feet of the forwards because the midfield's finally doing their job. Now, how much of that is the absence of Carlos Vela? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, uh, and again, and, and the reason, and again, not not necessarily because I think Vela does anything wrong on his own is that or it's more that it's the Kobe effect, right? In the sense that if you watch the latter part of Kobe's career in Los Angeles when he was starting to get older and some of these different things, right? He's, he, you know, but he's still Kobe, right? Carlos Vela is still Carlos Vela. And you see it, I think, at times with, um, with guys like Messi now as they age and because they can't always do like the otherworldly thing, Right, but but they still garner the respect of a person who does otherworldly things on the pitch, and guys tend to ball watch as opposed to 
you know, play within play within the tactics. And, and so that's why when I ask that question, I don't necessarily mean it as a negative. I mean it more as does this team play with a little bit more confidence because they're not using him as a crutch in that way? Yeah, I, I think what I would say, I, I don't know that I think I think there's something to be said about this, because when he is on the field, you are you are scheming for him tactically right we've talked about you create the free man and you want that free man to be carlos villa you want him to be running a goal with nobody around or one defender to beat because you know he's going to score in that situation um so i don't know that i'd use the word crutch i think that they intentionally play through him and when teams are doubling and tripling his coverage then yeah, it's it becomes less effective, right? And you have to go somewhere else. Um, so I, I do think there's something to be said about that. But at the same time, I thought I thought everything worked pretty well, except for you know the team is tragically starting Danny Musovski uh, as the as the left winger, which is like this is a man who was just playing in Reno, right? And they picked him up and as a striker because that's what he is. And now they want him to be one of these rotating uh, forwards that doesn't really have a position that can score from anywhere, that can create from anywhere. And I, like, I'm sorry, that is just not his game. Like, you cannot do that with Danny Musovski. Uh, and the other thing is, I think Chicho isn't Chicho isn't that guy in link up either. He's not. He's not going to be. Uh, good enough to make Danny Musovsky score goals by dropping in as a false nine, right? Him dropping as in a false in as a false nine isn't the same as uh, like Firmino doing it and then setting up for somebody. I mean, that's a bad example because Firmino's got Mane and well, not anymore, but he's got like world class wingers on the on on his flanks, right? But uh, Chicho isn't gonna be able to create the types of chances that Musovsky needs to ca- needs so he can capitalize. Yeah. But the interesting thing was that I felt like that's exactly what they did in that first half. Right? Like you had you had because again, like I think the one thing that I've been critical of the Fords is that when the three when the when Chicho, Carlos Vela and Brian Rodriguez are all together, they play far too similar. Right? They all kind of want the ball at their feet. They all want to dribble. They want to they all want to kind of go at it. They all kind of have this desire to come short and you know, and then play the ball to their feet, as opposed to when you had that combination of Mahala, Chicho, and Musovski. Like Musovski and Mahala aren't are they're dropping in defensively and then they're just taking off on the run, right? Chicho is the one that drops in to provide an overload in in the buildup, but. You, you, I feel like it, it actually created a fair amount of space, which now when he dropped in the, the, you saw that's when I think that's when you saw Sifu and Blessing take advantage of now the half spaces because, because you don't have the two wingers cutting into that space. They're just stretching the field vertically, right? So if, if the, if the wingers are playing wide and vertical, now, now both Sifu and and blessing have more room to operate, right in the buildup, you know, playing with with Chicho, which is you know, which looked much better in that in that first what thirty minutes or so. Yeah, right. Yeah. So when they looked fairly dominant before Seattle kind of settled down um, and kind of made some adjustments themselves. But yeah, I felt like it was it was actually a pretty nice tactical tweak because, like I said, it took advantage of the fact that you don't have. It's like you you use their lack of skill sounds really bad, but like the you know Musovski and and Mahala's strengths are going to be to get separation over the top, right? Like yeah, you know I'm I'm gonna play off their shoulder, make a run, right? Occasionally you know Musovski's had that one cut in and you know try to you know try to look like Eden Hazard or some of that or you know pretend. Um, same thing with Mahala on the other side, right? They're stretching the field vertically. Um, and I think it gets it just it gave more space versus when you have both uh, Rodriguez and Vela on the field, they're all kind of pinching in, coming short, and then the passes and the, the windows become a lot smaller there. 
right? So because that's, that's no interesting because that, I mean, that's like Spain 2010, right? Absolutely. Right? Like famously played like a 4-6. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, which fielder. if you have David Villa and you have Messi, and I mean not Messi, but you have Iniesta and you have yeah. Xavi, you know, like those types of guys that are that are that are on the ball, then it's fine, right? But then, um, you know, and but when you have you know Rodriguez, Chicho, and Vela, and again Vela carrying the weight that he does on the field, right? It becomes like you know, it it looks like a 2014 Kobe Bryant reel where, you know, you're just kind of watching Vela do his yeah. thing on the side and everyone just standing around, yeah. right? As opposed to when I think they've been at their best, right? Is when Vela picks with the ball on the side and you had Christian Ramirez make that run across the face of goal. Yeah, You make Diego Rossi make that back post run, you know, Dio making a charging run through the middle of the field because now you have, you know, the issue with with Ramirez, right? That he didn't, he wouldn't finish enough to demand the respect to actually follow him. Deal, you had to go with him. Yeah. So now Vela has all the space he he wants to to operate, and then you can play the house spaces, then you can play those different things. But again, in absence of that of that guy, right, or those other guys that want to play the ball at their feet, you know, and you only have one of them, you know, maybe that's what provided the space, right? And then you you have two two wide wingers who start out wide, make an outside to in run when the during build up, and then should they get the ball played to them, then you have the 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 fullbacks actually pushing up and getting into the box, right? Because I think the wingers were out staying out pretty yeah pretty yeah. wide most of the time. So I mean we can talk about the fullbacks because I thought Diego Palacios was probably man of the match for me, um, based on his overall impact in the attack. Also, the way he pocketed both Roldan brothers just made me so happy. Like the entire time, both of those Roldan brothers were playing on the right flank as a winger and as a and as a fullback, and he was just having none of it. And it was just so fantastic to watch um, because I feel like I feel like those are two of the guys that like the league just wants to push so much uh, because they are they're they're great success stories, right? Come from college. One place for El Salvador, one place for the U.S. Uh, they play on this incredible Seattle team that is so consistent, um, and they're like the type of uh, they're like the type of American players that you really want to have. Where yeah, like they're I mean, they're and- not going to demand a huge move to Europe. They're just going to be consistent for you uh, in MLS. And to see I mean, him to be fair, at the same time, was yeah, fantastic. it's those types of guys that win you championships in MLS. Absolutely, right? it's like Absolutely. they're. They're on a bad team, right? Christian Roldan is one of is is probably could potentially be a DP, right? For another for a bad team, right? Oof, that would have to be a bad team. <laughs> I mean, put him on. But like, what? if Inter Miami wanted to lock down a spot for sure, mm-hmm. or like, or the Revs wanted to lock yeah, like down the, a position right now. That's yeah. what I'm saying, but I mean, like, but you could take, you know, but then for him on a Seattle team, he's a high temp, you know, he's a tam right, player, right. right? That you brought up and never had to pay a transfer fee, never had to pay anything for him, right? That at worst, right, he's your fourth or fifth best player. Yeah, you know exactly. And his level is, and, and he's an, yeah. and and he has a level of an, a fringe national team player, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I mean, neither of us want to see I, him I, on there. I would, I would dispute the fringe. <laughs> you know how I feel. I would, he's, he's out. I would, I, I, when I say on the fringe, I mean on the rough <laughs> side of the fringe, not actually towards the green. Okay. To use a golf <laughs> reference, there, um, he's maybe in the bunker. Um, yeah, the green side bunker. But yeah, I mean, but he's a guy that you know, like I said, to me, if, if you were to tell me you're gonna you're gonna give me Christian Roldan like we got Kellen Costa on a Tam, yeah, absolutely, I'm I'm all for it. Right, um, because he gives, he provides a lot for for not very much, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to having to pay DP money for the production of Andre yeah. Orta. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know. So uh, Diego Palacios was great. Hollingshead is involved in the best chance of the of the game for either team. I thought somehow he's in the box, being slipped through, <laughs> and uh, takes a shot on the near post. It's an excellent save from Stephen Fry. Rebound falls to Chicho, and he kind of takes it. He should have gone to the to the far post, but there was somebody kind of in that area covering, so he just shoots for power and tries to beat Fry. 
Fry makes a great save on the scramble. Uh, but that's Hollingshead. The funny thing is, is last year you and I, when Bob was messing around with the three man back line, we kept saying like, if you're going to do this, if you're going to play this three, five, two, the wingers have to push forward and you're going to have to play with four across the top. Um, and the wingbacks have to have to be involved. And so now it's interesting to see Gerundolo doing just that. And Palacios and Hollingshead are so involved in the attack. They've both been effective with both uh, Hollingshead scoring more goals, but Palacios providing plenty of assists and secondary assists. Um, but all from a from a four man back line where Ilya just kind of doesn't really drop in between the center backs to defend is just kind of back there camping out, waiting for something yeah. to, to happen. I mean, he he plays that Fabinho role, right? Where he's mm-hmm. again, like if, if a ball falls to his feet, he can hit a shot from the top of the box. But generally, he's in position, you know, to recover, you know, to recover alongside, you know, alongside the set, you know, to recover and clean up any mess, yeah. right? Because again, I think he he's also a guy that's very understanding of where he's at in his career and how much he's got left in his legs and those types of things as well. So I think, you know, again, with a guy that smart, you know, you're. It'll you know, when you have a guy that's smart and who could marshal the field around him, um, you know you're going to have a lot more opportunities to attack. Versus, I feel you know we had talked about this ad nauseum when you had all three of our midfielders in, you know, in a twist, a K, and busting all pushing up into the box, leaving, you know, your your center backs exposed fairly often, especially if yeah. you're trying to push the you know your fullbacks up high as well. Yep. Um. So I'm moving on to like the goals. Uh, this is this was actually tweeted out by the when playing it out of the back goes wrong Twitter account. Uh, Maxime Cropo tries to find Ilié in space um, after what is a it's a tough back pass from Ibiaga. Um, they kind of the the Seattle press corners both him and Palacios uh, in the in their own left corner. Uh, Ibeaga is forced to to play it back to Crepo, who sees Ilié is in space, but then plays him into different space, and Rusnak is just hiding there. Uh, clearly, Crepo doesn't see him, and Rusnak picks it up, takes a few touches, and buries the shot. Um, just it should have been a clearance from from Crepo. I just think he doesn't see Rusnak, which you have to look. You have to look when you're receiving the ball. You have to look before you're receiving the ball so you know what's up. And you got to look for different things. And he looked for his teammate, which is one of those things. He looked for the space because that's where he played it. He looked for the ball because it was coming to him. He just didn't look for the opponents. Um, but those are like the four things that you're looking for all the time, right? This is why Xavi was always uh, looking around every 1.9 seconds or whatever it was, right? Uh, because you got to keep tabs on all four of those things, and he lost track of one of them and got just brutally punished for it. Uh, yeah, had I mean, he seen Rusnak, yeah, he would have cleared for sure. I mean, you know, and part of that too, though, right? Is is supposedly you know, like you know, we wonder how much Ilya's positioning had 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 to do with it there too, as well, right? So there's a little bit of that where you know, you know, could Ilya have been, you know, was he in the right spot or some of those things and. You know, and I think it's, but again, I think it's one of these, these situations where they talk about it, you know, they're going to get into, they're going to get into the film room, they're going to see it, and then it gets fixed, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. it's the last time you probably see a mistake of that nature. I mean, sure. this happens. I mean, Zach Steffen, right? <laughs> uh, and the week before him, uh, uh, Ederson barely, barely saved a ball off the line, off a back mm-hmm. pass, right? So, I mean, this happens to the best teams. You accept risk when playing this way. Uh, and you do it because you assume that keeping the ball is more effective, is a more effective way to both play defense and attack than just hoofing it long. Um, it was just a missed cue. And, I, I mean, I do think I do think there's something to be said about Ilya coming laterally into that space faster. Uh, the way that the press was coming, I don't know if it was ever going to happen fast enough for that angle, but yeah, whatever they'll fit. Like you said, this is one of those things that, you know, they'll fix in, yeah. in the film room. You're so. almost happy to have it now because it won't happen yeah. in yeah. the bigger moment. Right. And, yeah. you know, obviously it's like, because it happened again against what, there was another moment, like something similar in the Cincinnati game, right. Which you end up winning, but at the same time, you know, so, you know, obviously 
it's it's one of those things where you don't want to keep making the same mistakes, but at the same yeah, time, yeah. right? I can't I can't be too mad about it, given right, given what, given the overall nature of the season has been so positive, right? I, I think you said the one thing we've seen regularly from this team is that you know they'll make a mis- they'll make mistakes. These things will happen because again, you have a new coach, you have a, you know a newer roster, but they adjust and they fix things in a hurry. And, yeah. and you generally don't see repetition of the repetition of those mistakes. Yeah. Um, you know, of those mistakes. The last thing I'll say, and I would have to go back and actually like watch the, the lead, like the lead into that play. Um, one thing that was a theme throughout and it will surprise nobody. Sebastian Ibeaga is not good with his feet. Uh, he's only, he's only halfway decent with his right foot. He's extremely right footed for left center back. Um, where you see him taking multiple steps to set up. It's kind of like watching Pablo Cisniega again on the ball, where he's like taking multiple steps to set up the right foot. Um, it's like when you watch somebody learn how to hurdle for the first time and they're like, they're like take all these choppy steps trying to set it up. Um, so I, I, there may have been passes available to him earlier in that sequence that would have broken the press. Uh, but again, it's nitpicky. Um, and I, I, I think with fall, you probably see a level of comfort with Grippo and uh, that it probably doesn't happen because the, the press is probably broken earlier. But that's for another time and place when we can actually see that uh, all those guys on the field together. Uh, two more things I wanted to get to, to Josh. Uh, the goal that we end up getting to equalize, uh, headed assist from Danny Trejo, of all people, who comes in to replace Musovski. Actually, he may have... No, Vela came in for a Poku and then Trejo for a Musovsky, right? Mm-hmm. So Vela comes in at the half, um, and then Trejo comes in, I don't know, 70th minute or something like that for Musovsky. I thought he was much more effective than, Musf- than Musovsky, who seems like a little more than a speed merchant, uh, and I don't know if he has the speed to do it at this level anyway. So, I, you know, whatever. He's... He, like we always say, he should be the third striker on this team, and that's it. No, no sense wasting any more time. But I do like Danny Trejo. I think he's, I think he's mm-hmm. got some juice, and I would like to see him spend more time with this team, especially as we're short on forwards at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you, he looks like he has a little bit more skill, a little bit more technique. Yeah, you more know, finesse. Um, yeah, yeah. Where you know, Musovski has started to look more and more like the LAFC Divacarigi. You know, let's just hope that he starts scoring, <laughs> you know, last minute goals. And if, if that's what he's to become, at least he can score some big goals and some big games for us, you know, in, you know, in extra time. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to get to Josh was, uh, I texted you, I think during the game, like I'm almost curious to see Carlos Vela as, a wide midfielder in a four, four, two, or, you know, have him pull back into a four, two, three, one, or, you know, even a four, one, like a proper four, one, four, one, where, because I think he has been so effective coming back all the way into the midfield wide and playmaking early from that spot Mm. where his switches are like those left footed switches that he hits are incredible. I mean, they are inch perfect. It, it, I mean, it goes back to, was it the Miami game where he hits the ball to Arango on the run and then it comes back for Rodriguez? Mm-hmm. Um, I, there are so many passes like that from that position where he comes back and is able to, to hit either a long switch or a through ball, but he's got an extra level of quality in his left foot that nobody else has. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that was, isn't that where David Beckham played? Right in their four four two, for England. Yeah, but he was right footed. So. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like he, he would, same, hit, the, he like would hit those long. Maybe I have this wrong, but he would hit those those like looping crosses from that spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. from that right outside, you know. And again, like again, I I feel like Carlos Vela distributor. You know, there's that is he has such skill on the ball that I wonder if that's where he's able to, you know, where he's able to now, you know, continue to be effective through the latter part of his career, right? Where maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe, 
you don't see him right off tackles into the goal as often, right, in order to save his legs. But you see him become much more of a distributor and then try and, you know, and then try and be that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. try and be that guy in, in the in the biggest moments, right? So, you know, again, I think it will also pay dividends, you know, and, and we had talked about this before. I think it'll pay dividends in the long run because if you can find, you know, if he can be that guy, be that, right, more of a distributor off that right-hand side, um, I think what it does is it, it now, if you can get everyone else going, it'll give him more room to operate, you know, later down the road, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, what you started to see towards the end of, you know, Bob's tenure was, you know, really the, you know, teams playing in a four-two-three-one against our four-three-three, and the mid, you know, and they would basically just double, triple team him with a center, you know, with a defensive midfielder and the fullback, and then the center back mm-hmm. also coming as well, in order to stop him. And especially when you don't have when your other guys aren't finishing, right, that becomes problematic. But from a forward perspective, I would hope that, like I said, those. You know, Rodriguez and Chicho will eventually figure out how to play better with him um, because I think there's there's loads of potential there. And especially if you're able, if you, if the, if the decision of, you know, in terms of the DP ends up being another attacker from which that seems to be the case from the various reports that we've seen, uh, you know, then I honestly think that that's probably where he's best suited for the time being. Yeah. And then, like I said, having that ability to now, um, you know, to every now and then when the opportunity presents itself, you know, remind everyone why, you know, why he is, you know, why he was the MVP, why he is, yeah. you know, why people can, you know, why people have always regarded his talent and his ability. So the, yeah, the last thing that I'll say about it tactically, when I, when I watch him come into the midfield and you always talk about, you know, Messi's walking gravity, and attracting, you know, three different people in a four, two, three, one, um, it opens up so much space on the, on the right wing that you do want somebody to come over. And that can be the striker. It can be an attacking midfielder that makes a diagonal run to the right wing. But one thing that I liked about what happened in Seattle is Franco Escobar was also there making overlapping runs as all the pressure stepped to Vela. He's really dangerous in the attacking third from the right wing. So this is something that we can look forward to as well. As he steps into the midfield and Franco Escobar overlaps, honestly, I don't I don't feel like you lose anything. I mean, obviously you want Vela in the attacking third on the ball, but Escobar is extremely gifted on the ball and accurate crosses, accurate passes, good cutbacks, uh, can do people on the run 1v1. I, so that's something that I look forward to as well. So lots yeah. of positive signs. And again, I think the biggest thing, as always with this team, you know, is just making sure that people are healthy and available. Right? Yeah. And I think yeah. that, you know, the, and you would hope that the signings that they continue to bring in will only help to bounce out a little bit. And so that way you're not demanding, you know, you're not requiring Carlos Vela to give everything of himself to win regular season games yeah. to sneak into yeah. the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right? What you need is for him to be able to play at about 75% for, you know, six eighths of the season, you know, and then that last bit of the season really just turn it on, yep. you know, and, yep. and, and take it to him. Right. It's, it's, it's the, you know, that, the, that coasting, you know, I forget who it was that always would always do it in, in the NFL, you know, where they just kind of turn it on at the last minute, um, you know, and then the regular season is relatively poor. I mean, that's like right. LeBron, so, right? LeBron used to talk about the switch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the switch. <laughs> he, he goes into zero dark 30 mode or whatever yeah, the heck yeah. he was right, before, right. right? And so, yeah, you just need, you know, like I said, and, and I think Carlos Vela is capable of doing that. The mm. question is, can he get enough from everyone else around him to sustain the success yeah, yeah. over the you know, over the, over the latter half of the season, yep. you know, again, I think that's still a question, but I definitely think this team is better equipped to do it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Josh. Well, we've done uh, 45 minutes. We don't have listener questions because we're so late on this. Uh, anything else you wanted to get to or. No, I mean, we can always talk about major league soccer and the, uh, let's go. I would say, let's, I want to hear your rent on. Oh yeah. On... What was that rent that I, that I said I was going to. 
it was about the valuation of major league soccer oh, teams. Oh, right, right. Okay. So when you buy into MLS, that's what you buy into. You buy into the league and you have uh, an ownership stake in the league and you have rights to operate one of the league's franchises. So there's like this misnomer out there that, you know, the LAFC owners own Los Angeles Football Club. They don't. They own 129th or whatever it is of MLS. Um, that's what their investment is. And that's how Don Garber set this up. And arguably it's a good thing, right? Because then everybody's invested in, in the success of the league. It, inst- it, it helps incentivize the staying power of the league, but it turns all the would-be clubs into franchises. That's why you will never hear me call them clubs, despite them all being called football club, you know, Los Angeles football club or whatever. Um, on top of that, they all buy into some. This is what really makes money in MLS is some. Um, and for years, some has existed on the backs of the media rights for El Tri in, in the U.S., the U.S. men's national team, uh, the U.S. women's national team. That's where some, some has had exclusive marketing rights to all three of those systems uh, throughout, the, throughout North America, really. And so that's where the owners make all their money. Most MLS teams are not even solvent. They don't make any money year to year. Uh, they lose money in the stadium. They lose money on players. Uh, hopefully things get better. But as of right now, the majority, the vast majority of MLS franchises don't make any money. The owners make good on their investment through some, their ownership in some. And that's the way the league operates. That's how it's been able to stay. So it's good in one sense because it gives you soccer here in America at a decently high level, but it's also bad because it means that teams like, I don't know, pick your poison, Colorado, RSL, FC Cincinnati, whoever else enter Miami, right? It's not about, it's not really about the product on the field for so many owners. It's about buying into some, that's how you get your investment back. That's why you see all these basketball players, uh, you know, uh, James Harden buying into the Houston dynamo, right? Uh, because it's a, it's, it's kind of a sure bet because you're, you're buying into something that's growing. Soccer's a growing sport. Some keeps making more money. Therefore your investments is good. It's a sound investment. Um, so I, whenever, whenever people talk about valuations, like, Oh, it costs $500 million for Charlotte FC to join. And that means they're, their quote unquote club is valued at half a billion dollars. That's more than AS Roma. That's like, all right, guys, you need to slow your roll here because it's not actually worth that. What like you can't just toss in the valuation of some with the team itself because nobody actually owns that team. They own part of the league. Anyway. That's No, this is true of almost every American sport, correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, it's whether like the American it be, way. and it's, I mean, it's the NFL model, it's yes. the NBA model, yes. um, MLB, B, yeah. baseball's a little bit different too, though, I believe. Oh, maybe I don't know, I don't pay attention to baseball anymore, so <clears throat> yeah, baseball, <laughs> I don't know, baseball's always been weird because I think because it's been around for a lot longer, I think there's, there's, they've had so to maybe do they skip some of that stuff, yeah, yeah because they, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't even have revenue sharing until mm-hmm. you know, like in, you know, there's no salary cap. Right, right, right. There's no, they, they just instituted, I believe, a luxury tax mm. with, you know, maybe their last collective bargaining agreement, you know, and the revenue sharing is generally from the media rights more than anything because they have so many games that each team negotiates their own local media rights and okay. so on and yeah. so forth. Yeah. Right. And again, if, the funny thing is, it's like, so then, you know, then we'll, we'll, people wax poetically about, you know, the Premier League or whatever it may be. But the Premier League, in terms of money was falling behind until they were able to sign a, until they were able to sign their media rights deal in the same way that the NFL, NFL um, negotiates their, their media rights deal as a league, as opposed to doing it individually um, the way that baseball does it. Right. So baseball, they have nationally televised games and then each team negotiate, they have, you know, the daughters sports network or whatever. Um, The NFL, Right, really found their footing in terms of money when they were able to negotiate 
every you know like now it's regional and you have every game the same time the way that the new mls Mm -hmm. the mls deal is actually going to be for apple tv so you know obviously like you're saying there's upsides there's downsides to the whole thing um but at the same time it's like i think the one thing that i always want to point out is like um don't don't use europe as that you know as the oh it should be like this because europe is now looking to the u.s model for sustainability Right, because yeah, it's yeah. not great for the league when you have teams going under because they spent too much on the player. Right, you know, to right. get relegated three divisions down because they bought a guy. You know, you know, was it Leeds when they, you know, you know, I feel like they got I forget what exactly happened, but then you know they, you know, basically went into financial, you know, they, mm-hmm. um, insolvency, right? right, and then you know versus, yeah, like you know they don't need to necessarily need to spend money, but you know, you can count on that franchise being around year in, year out, right? And then, again, well, and that's, depending that's on... the idea of, like, no promotion relegation, right? Yeah. In in the U.S. is in order to build fan bases that are going to support a team in the long run, they have to be able to count on them being in the top tier. So that's another one of those kind of, like, damned if you do, damned if you don't scenarios where it's like you close off the ecosystem to like homegrown clubs. Right. Um, but at the same time, you kind of provide stability enough stability for people to, uh, to stick around the league and build something in the long run. Yeah. So, or whether a pandemic or a bunch of these different yeah, things yeah, that yeah. the leagues are able to very, you know, to do much better than, you know, if you're said individually run clubs, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I, you know, I th- definitely think there's a little bit of that. And, you know, again, the economics of, of athletics these days, you know, is, is a whole, I mean, we could spend hours yeah. on this, on this and how it's ultimately affected the game in both positive and negative ways. Yeah. The interesting thing I think with, with how this now works with some is that USSF is doing their own thing, right? So the U S national teams and the women's actually after this year are no longer a part of it. Yeah, they've they've broke they've cut ties, they, and yeah. they're going to do their own thing. But El Tri still under just, just they just re-upped. re upped re upped because and so it's interesting because again, I've it's I I have to wonder right how the general fan base takes takes it when the majority of your games are being played you at you at you know stateside, yeah you know like you're kill I feel like you're you're killing the domestic product. You know, and, and yep. support for, because for money, right? And that's so, what the fed, what the federation is going for. Is like they know right. they can make money, way more money from U.S. based Mexican fans than they can playing games domestically in Mexico, which is right. just sad. Yeah, it is. It's it's really sad. Um, you watch a game on television that's played in Denver, for example, right? The what was that? Was that? Uh, Nations League, the Nations League final was played in Denver. Um, and it's just packed with L3 fans, right? And then you watch the match, the World Cup qualifier at Azteca. And it's like empty. And it's like, man, they some and this deal where they only play in the US for the money has really hollowed out the support, like the their home support. Um which is just I I can't I I I don't know in the international game well enough to know if there's another scenario like that where uh, a, t- a federation has sacrificed their their like domestic fan base for money like that. I mean it that's it's wild to me and yeah. it is pretty tragic. And, yeah, and but I, at the same I, time, I don't I'm happy be- that like that Mexicans in the U S can enjoy the team. Like it's just, again, it's a double-edged sword. So many of these things cut both ways that, um, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to come down hard on either side. I mean, yeah, but it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, you, you, you will, you know, you're happy that they can enjoy the team, but at the same time, the reason why they're able to is so shady. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) On on the part of, on the part of the federation, on the part of the federation. But the thing is, I think when it comes to major league soccer, they've, you know, again, you're, it is, it is a business by nature, right? Mm-hmm. Like a friend, a sports franchise, you know, is meant to make money, right? A sports, uh, you know, the way that, 
you know, every sport, every every team that's out there, Europe, Brazil, whatever, like their goal, they have to make money. To they have to make money. Yeah, one or another. I mean, look at look at the big clubs in Europe right now. They're in a lot of trouble. Like Barcelona is in so much trouble. Yeah, for sure, right? right? But they, but their they goal let go is of Lionel Messi because they couldn't figure out yeah. how to sign him. Well, some of that too, though, is is I think part of his illegal there's legal rules at play and some of those things that they're you know that they're doing there um but also but when you look at for example um the tough thing that the tough pill to swallow is when it comes to the federation you know f- at least for the u.s right it's a non-profit organization right mm-hmm. supposedly mm-hmm. right they make a lot of money but it's non-profit um but then for the F- mexican federation I don't know what their classification is and what what or if they receive yeah, subsidies I, I from the idea. government as well. So then it just feels even more it just doesn't feel right and doesn't sit well mm-hmm. with me when you when you have a situation like that where you basically, like I said, have turned your nose to Mexican fans from Mexico because you know you can make a you can make a huge profit, you know, ex, you know, exploiting the hunger that, you know, that Mexican American fans have for El Tri having mm. been away from Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I, right I, I in that way. I don't know. I, it's it's tough for me to even comment on because like I don't I just I, I don't know enough to be honest. And it it does, like you said, it feels it feels a bit sticky that they mm-hmm. would, that that's the way it's gone. But by the same time like my like me and my neighbors, we sit down, we watch every U.S. Mexico game together. Like, there's something special about that, and there's something special about, you know, if they come to Phoenix, we'll be able to go watch them together, as well. So, I, dude, I, I just don't know. I, it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's like weird. I said, it's 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 great if you live here. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, like that rivalry is awesome. You know, like yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've come to work, um, you know, and my one of my best friends and another one of the people that works at, at work are huge L Tree fans. Mm-hmm. And how how much I enjoy talking trash every time Tata yeah. Martino does something weird, right? <laughs> or the fact that they can't beat a Miles Robinson led led Gold Cup team, you know, it's like yeah, yeah, you know, like I, I love it, but at the same time, right? It does feel it does feel a bit exploitative, yeah. As well as you know, again, it, like it just doesn't sit well when you think about what what the what the national teams are supposed to represent and what they're supposed to yeah, encompass, yeah. right? Not that not that our national teams here in the United States have have been great representations no, no. of anything, <laughs> to be fair, right? But at the same time, I also don't think that they've they've pretended to be something that they're not, right? It's mm-hmm. like I think the the upset of of USSF is that they're like, oh yeah, we're a business, we make money, we do these different things. <laughs> Okay. All our executives are going to be some executives, and then yeah, I mean, like, go to like MLS. they don't, they don't, they didn't. Like, it was all out in the open. We everyone knew it. They did it, and to be fair, we were okay with it to a certain degree. Yeah. Like, we complained about it, but I mean, it Eventually still happened. We shut up, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, if they're winning, no one cares, yeah. right? That's in true. this particular case, right, it just feels like I said, some is looking at some basically went to the Mexican Federation with like, hey. There's all these people you can make a ton of money off of. Sign yeah. up. Yeah. Right. And so now, now rather than, you know, we used to complain all the time about USSF and MLS having this, you know, like this relationship that we hated. And now Burhalter is going to put all these guys on from MLS that we don't like or whatever it may be. Right. That and was always has. the complaint. Yeah. Right. But at least now <laughs> the guys that he puts on is like Kellen Acosta, who I love. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, right? it's, and, it's, it's taken time. My my complaint with Burhalter is that it takes so long. Yeah, I mean like he's he slow to react. He defaulted to all these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, how long did we have to watch Giassi Zardes flounder before we settled on somebody else? And now we're five months from the World Cup, and it's like, who's the striker? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. you can only afford to give Haji right forty five minutes before Burhalter just scorches him in the post in the post game. Uh, yeah, press conference. So, but it's, it's like, weird. On, but it's also weird to me now to see the hopes of Altri being pinned upon Efren Alvarez and Julian Araujo. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird, right? Like, like where where is that? Where is that young, exciting Mexican talent coming from Pachuca? 
you know, yeah, like or, a, or Chivas, Chuki right? or Chivas like, and all I mean, these different look things. At, look at when when Vela came through through Chivas, right? I mean, it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys, the the Dosantai, as they're known, right? Like they, those guys ran the con, they ran the confederation forever. Because and they all came through a, a Mexican club, but yeah, anyway. and now you just don't see that that like they've it's like they've blown up that infrastructure, and it's weird yeah. that we've talked this much about El Tri, but you know, <laughs> for all the for the, all the El Tri fans out there that have a comment, please you know jump into the, jump into yeah. the mentions, and you know we're, we're no, happy I, w- to I would love to I would thing. love to hear your thoughts on this. Please do tweet at us because I I want to know like I I want to know how you guys all feel about this because again to to me and Josh it seems shady it seems underhanded um and it seems like some capitalizing on a big market and the mexican federation just saying yeah we'll take that money why not so i don't know you can tweet at us at counterpress underscore you can find josh lafc josh on twitter you can find me at kurt kinsey josh anything else before we get out of here are you good no i will be i won't be here for the next game i'll be in costa rica on my um belated or um, belated delayed honeymoon a year later so felicidades uh we will talk to you all after that match uh if anybody wants to be a guest host shoot a dm to the counter press uh handle on twitter and uh we'll see about getting you on for the weekend show uh and with that good night